So, I've got a question for you. With this Christmas season uh, and everything that you're thinking about that's coming up, are your hearts and minds filled with peace right now? Probably not. I don't, I don't know about you, but like I find it ironic that the season to be jolly can be filled with so much stress, anxiety, and anger. And uh, it seems like a busy life only becomes busier to me. And, you know, that's been recently kind of driven home in my own heart. Uh, this is confession time by your pastor. It's, uh, confession is good for the soul. So uh, I found myself getting increasingly more crabby about Christmas and everything that goes with it. And so the last few years, getting ready for Christmas, putting all the Christmas lights up, like that, that's just, I've been really crabby about it. It's not fun. And, you know, like for you single guys that don't know what I'm talking about, like when you get married, you have a lot of Christmas decorations and everything, and you get them down, and you put them up, and then you put each season away. And I found myself this year while I was doing that, just not being very happy about it. And last year I thought I had had a great victory in that, uh, you know, I bought all new Christmas lights because I was having so many problems and, you know, I was really looking forward this year to opening that box and hanging the lights up without any problems. And, you know, Satan got in my box <laughs> this year. And so I spent about 20 minutes of my life that I'm never going to get back again, by the way. It's like that was just gone. 20 minutes of fiddling with a, you know, length of um, those icicle ones where a whole section was out. And I did all the twisting and the replacing and trying to look at the filament in them, which is a total waste of time at my time of life. And uh, finally, I, I just took those lights and I threw them in the trash with vigor. And if, you know, you should just be really grateful that you weren't like wandering past my house in that moment because you would have heard me muttering and they would have not have been prayers or speaking in tongues or anything like that. There was like not Christmas cheer in my words. Uh, so maybe, maybe you feel a little bit the same way when you think about your life. And, um, but there couldn't be a more stark contrast than at the first Christmas, which be, before we look at that, though, I want to show you something. Um, these Christmas socks I won last night at the staff Christmas party, and they have pictures of me on them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, you, we just have such a great staff. We had a great party, great time together. And the competition was fierce for these socks because evidently everyone wants socks with my picture on them. <laughs> but somehow, miraculously, I ended up owning them at the end of the night. So just thought I'd share that with you. Um, at the first Christmas, in a field outside the village of Bethlehem, some shepherds are watching over their flocks, uh, Luke's Gospel tells us. And in the evening, an angel of the Lord appears to them, and in Luke 2.9, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. 
And this is how you will recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in the manger, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all whom God favors. You know, at the birth of Christ, the angels sang peace on earth. And, you know, 600 years before Christ's birth, the prophet Isaiah, speaking about Jesus' coming, in Isaiah 9-6 said this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then constantly throughout Jesus' ministry, he was reassuring those around him with peace and telling them that they can have peace in their lives. In John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. In John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then after his resurrection, the disciples encounter Jesus. And in John 20, 19, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You know, I don't know about you, but those words still connect with me. Peace. And whether you're a Christian or not, religious or not, I bet all of you could use a little more peace in your life. We all want peace. And so that's why we're doing this series uh, during December, calling it Peace on Earth. And we want to look at what does the Bible say about peace and the Prince of Peace and where peace on earth comes from and what exactly does that mean and how do we obtain it. And so my hope for you in this series is that that phrase, peace on earth, becomes more real than ever to you. That, that you experience God's peace as never before. In fact, the main thought for this message today is this. You can have God's peace today. You can have God's peace today. My hope in this series is that you either rediscover or maybe discover for the first time God's real peace. That the phrase peace on earth becomes more than just a lyric that you sing or more than just gold leaf words on a card, but that you really encounter the prince of peace that you get acquainted with or maybe reacquainted with for the first time in a long time the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. God's peace is found in Jesus. God's peace is found in Jesus. And clearly when you read the Bible and it talks about peace, it's a different kind of peace than we normally think of. And clearly that peace is always associated with Jesus Christ. Whether it's in the prediction of his coming, the heaven, heavenly announcement of his birth here on earth, his teachings, or even his final words, all somehow 
go back to or are focused on Jesus. His, God's peace is found in him. Let's go back to one of those verses that we already read earlier, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I don't know if you notice it, if you look at that verse up there, this simple sentence by Jesus, there's a, there's a, there's a verses in it. He says, I've told you these things. And these things that he told his disciples at that time, it's not like, hey, life is going to be perfect. There's smooth sailing out in front of you. And, you know, it's going to be all Bible verses and butterflies for you from now on. And so in me, you can have peace. It exa it's exactly the opposite because he was warning them that these things were warnings of his crucifixion and the persecution that was to come. And he says, in spite of that, you can have peace in me in the middle of chaos because peace was not the feeling du jour for the disciples at that time. You know, the eagles had not yet come out with peaceful, easy feeling. So they couldn't really experience it out there in the desert under the stars. That's important to know because I think we can get a misconception about what it means to have the peace of God in our lives and where it is truly found. It is not found in a perfect life. God never promised that. And if we, if we don't understand that, then when life isn't peaceful or things are not well, we can think that God has abandoned us or that God has let us down or, something, you know, or that somehow we're, God is not present because we don't have peace. And this is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying. He's saying that your peace will not be found in your circumstances. It will be found in me. And that peace is available even though you're in the middle of chaos. And to me, other than eternal life, this might be one of the greatest gifts God gives us. Peace. Because you just have to recall or, you know, think about your present situation, if that's what it is, where there wasn't, where you're not peaceful. When life, your situation is not filled with peace, you realize how valuable having peace really is. So where does that peace come from? How do I, is it something that I earn or I work for? God's peace is not just found in Christ, but God's peace has already been purchased for you. It's already been purchased for you. Peace is not free, but it costs us nothing because it costs Jesus everything, but it is offered freely to us Paul says that it's a gift. The peace of Christ, the prince of peace in our hearts is a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says it is the gift of God. And I love the words of that song about the reckless love of God that we sing here on certain Sundays. It's like, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You know, if, you, if you're not a religious person or you, you feel far from God, 
you could have the idea that like to get the peace of God requires you cleaning up your act, kind of getting squared away. And then somehow you can kind of move up that ladder of peace and earn it with God. That's totally the opposite of what the Bible says. It's not something that we earn. It is a gift of God. And if you feel far from God, it's important for you to know that to draw close to God only requires you to accept the gift of peace that Jesus has given you. Sometimes I think we can think, well, you know, yeah, I get that, Brit. The peace, God's peace is in, in eternity, right? I get that when I become a Christian, when I ask Christ into my heart. But it's not really for today. God's peace is only for this future thing, but not in my day-to-day -day life. And again, that's totally contrary to what the Bible teaches us. God's peace isn't just available in Christ. It isn't just uh, already, it hasn't just been already purchased for us, but it's available regardless of your situation. God's peace is not dependent upon my life being just perfect. And I know some of you right now are saying, well, Britt, you don't know my situation. Now, this, this cannot apply to where I am. There's a prayer that Paul prays in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. He says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Paul's prayer for these believers in Thessalonica is that, that they would experience God's peace. And you know, I don't know about you, I don't think that Paul would waste a prayer on something that isn't possible. And there's something important that comes out of his prayer. He says, I'm praying that the Lord of peace himself will give you peace at all times and in every way. And so, you know, as a Bible scholar like I am, I really dug into what this means, this what does it mean to have peace at all times and in every way? And you know how this actually translates is all times and in every way. Think about that. Because we translate it differently, maybe not on the page, but in our minds, the way it, it comes in our experience. We think, well, God's peace is available, but not in this situation. Not, not this time. We kind of take God's promises like, um, you know, prescription drug commercials on TV. You know, they say, well, you know, if you have this itchy spot on your elbow, you can take this, this drug and your itchy spot will go away. But the devil's in the details and they talk very quickly at the end after the wonderful pictures and everything. And it's like, you know, not, you know battery's not included. Uh, you know, be sure to consult your physician before you take this prescription drug because, you know, the result could be you could have a heart attack, a stroke, you could become incontinent, possibly mentally ill, and your life could end in a disastrous and awful way. But you won't be itchy on your elbow anymore. And I think we read promises like this, like in kind of, you know, this absurd way. 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And, you know, just the fact that Paul would say that indicates it like he knows that people have anxiety, stress, and anger. He knows it's like this is something that needs to be prayed about. It's not ostrich with your head in the sand kind of prayers. This is like life is real. Life has real problems. The real world has real problems. So God's peace is available to you even even if you have a marriage that's ending right now, even if you have a health issue that's just kind of arisen, even if you're going through legal issues, God's peace is still available. God's peace is available even if someone is slandering you right now, either just like in a relationship or maybe even in a legal way they're slandering you. God's peace is still available if you're going to be alone this Christmas. And God's peace is available if you're going to have to go visit your family at this Christmas. When I was in Bible college, um, you know, I went from, uh, you know, state college where it was all you can eat. And then at Bible college, for some reason, they put a certain amount of food on your plate and they said, that's all you can eat. So we were always hungry. And so we found a place to eat that, I don't know, are they still open? Shakey's Pizza. Is Shakey's Pizza still around? Any Shakey's fans? Okay, you know, and they used to, at lunch, have an all-you-can-eat buffet. Remember this? And they had pizza, fried chicken, and mojo potatoes. And so me and my buddies would visit Shakey's whenever we could scrape together enough for the buffet. I can't even remember what it was. But I try to recall, like, my personal record of how much I ate at the all-you-can-eat buffet. And I'm for sure, I'm absolutely confident on, it was 14 pieces of pizza. And I could, and it was, like, countless pounds of mojo potatoes, but it was 20-plus pieces of chicken. That's the truth. I couldn't remember if it was 22 or 28, so I didn't want to lie to you in one sitting because... You know, it was all you can eat. And pretty soon, the, the people that worked there, they became familiar with these guys that would come in all over 200 pounds. And, you know, we became familiar with them, too. We'd walk in, and we would just survey the buffet. And, and I would go over to the cashier and say, you know, we're here. You should probably start cooking some more pizzas and frying some chicken because <laughs> this is going to be gone. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and so we would just plow through that, and we would literally sit there for an hour and a half or two hours and just eat. And, you know, it, we got over it, but at first it was kind of embarrassing because we would empty that place, and then we'd have to get up and go, hey, we're not done eating. Can you, like, help us? And then, like, they'd, and they'd kind of frown, but eventually they got, they got, the pro, got on the program and got with us, but... I think God's peace is kind of like Shakey's all-you-can-eat buffet because it's always there. It's always available. And if you're just sitting at your table with an empty plate of peace, when God's buffet is sitting there, that's your own fault. God's peace is all you can eat. And it's a never-ending resource 
And you don't need to be embarrassed when you wake up in the middle of the night or you wake up in the morning and once more you're like, God, I'm afraid the buffet on peace is going to get a little thin here, so I just want you to know I'm going to need a lot from that buffet today. That's how it's supposed to be. God's peace is bottomless. When you think about this Christmas season and maybe even the month after, if your heart is filled with stress, anxiety, and anger, or any other negative emotion for which peace would be the remedy, God's peace is available regardless of your situation. The Bible promises us that. Now, it's not just a magical infusion. Sometimes it is, I guess. It's like God just gives me a peace that passes understanding. But if you want to make that kind of peace a reality today, I just want to cover four things, and then we'll be done. Still with me? Okay. First of all, if you want God's peace to be a reality, make your peace with God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Make your peace with God. Because the first step toward having God's peace is to actually accept the peace that he's given you. And if you're not a Christian and you feel an uneasiness about God or with your eternity, you feel uncomfortable about that, that's totally natural because you have not yet made that peace with God and you feel distant from God because you are not close. And the way to resolve that is to accept the peace of God as given through his son, Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Paul writes this in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's important for you to know if you feel far from God because, again, you're not going to have to clean up your act to find peace with God. It's accepting the peace that has already been given. So when I read verses like this and I consider, like, I ask myself, why isn't everybody a Christian? Yeah, I, I know you have questions. Let me give you like a newsflash. Pastors have questions too. All my questions aren't answered. But, but why would you want to live separated like that when it's a free gift of God. If you've never accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, just do it. And, and then let God figure it out with you as you move forward in your faith. If you want God's peace to be a reality, you place your faith in Christ, and secondly, take control of your thoughts. Take control of your thoughts. Isaiah, the prophet, writes this in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. The perfect peace that comes, comes to those whose mind has been made stable and steadfast by placing their trust in God. You have to, and you know, there's all kinds of competition for that trust in our hearts, in our minds, isn't there? I mean, there's a, there's a 
recurring list of what ifs. And I bet you, like, many of you spent sleepless nights this week worrying over things. I want you to know that you don't need to wake up between 2 and 4 because I already have those hours covered in worry. And those are my hours. If you want to take 1 to 3 or something, that's, that's fine. But we all have that. So let me ask you, the things that woke you up this week that made you worry, when, did they happen the next day? Don't, don't raise your hand. Did they happen? Most of the time, my experience is that they don't. So that makes all of that worry worthless. It was wasted energy. In fact, I heard someone once say this, worry is a useless emotion. You find that to be true many times? Worry is a useless emotion. You know, there isn't a week that goes by that I don't, that I don't get anxious about something or concerned and stressed out. And I don't know, many of you think, you know, what if pastors don't get stressed out? You guys have this great faith. You only work a couple hours a week. Then you play golf or whatever. I don't know what you guys do. Like, pastors have worries just like everybody else. And some of our worries is because we know some of your worries. And most of you we, we love, so <laughs> we're concerned for you. Isaiah says that the person who has this perfect peace, his mind is steadfast because he trusts in God. So, so what if this week, make a, make a pact with me. This is what I'm going to do this. You, you do it too. Like when, when you start to worry and when you wake up, not between two and four, but when you wake up and, and you're anxious about that thing that's coming up, Rather than letting all those thoughts take you over, why don't you just say out loud, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You say, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. What's the alternative? You're just going to all be up all night worrying? We're going to be sidetracked from what God wants to do in our lives because we're so overtaken by anxiousness and stress? And, or can we just trust him for it? That's why, you know, you think, well, that's really hard. I know it is. I just confess to you that, that I'm going to wake up and be stressed out. So I'm in this with you. But, you know, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul said that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I, that's exactly what you, we have to do, I think. You have to take that thought. And rather than let it run wild, you got to put it in its, its cage where it belongs and, and impose obedience to Christ on your mind. And if you do that, um, Isaiah says that you'll have peace. If you, want real, uh, if you want God's peace to be a reality, then follow the teachings of the Bible. Believe in Jesus Christ, control your thought life, place your trust in God, but also follow the teachings of the Bible because there's great peace in doing things God's way. Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. The great peace comes to those who follow God's way. They love his law. 
So if you're stressed out or anxious or you're angry, I'm not saying this is the answer, but it's, it's a question to ask. Is it because you're not following God's way? Is that why you're anxious and stressed out? Are you stressed out over finances because you continue to reject God's way with your finances? Are you, are you stressed out in relationships because, you know, you're not treating people around you like Jesus would treat them, and, and you're not accepting people as God has brought them into your life? You're trying to force them into being another person. Maybe, maybe you don't have peace because you're, trying, you're dating this person, and you're trying to make them into this person that, that you need them to be, and they're just not that person. We can't really expect to have peace in relationships unless we do relationships God's way. Maybe, maybe you don't have peace because you're trying to live comfortably with sin in your life. You know, there's, there are things that are destructive to people that the Bible calls sin, and you are in no way designed to live in contrary, to in, con- in contrast to that, to live in sin. You're not going to be comfortable. You're not going to have peace. And maybe, maybe you're, you're just, you don't have peace because you continue to make unwise choices. They're not sinful choices, but necessarily, but they're just, they're not the best choices. And, you know, like I have repeated this over and over. I, uh, I forget who, I think it was Andy Stanley that I got this from. The, you know, the best question ever. The best question ever is this. In light of my past experiences, my current situation, in my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And you know, if we asked ourselves that question before every decision, we would have a lot more peace. But if I'm trying to live comfortably with sin and unwise choices and not doing relationships the way God has, you know, has designed and I'm not doing my finances, these are all areas where which we experience stress and anxiety we're not going to have peace. We, we are designed to find peace in following God's ways, and we're also designed to not have peace, to be uncomfortable when we do not follow his ways. So if you don't have peace right now, consider maybe making some changes. You know, the Bible calls that kind of change repentance, It just simply means to acknowledge what isn't right and turn around and live a different way. Follow God's ways. You're you're much more likely to have peace in your life and you will definitely avoid a lot of unnecessary, unpeaceful times. Last, If you want God's peace to be a reality, then talk to God about what's really on your mind. Talk to God about what's really on your mind. Now, you might have noticed that I did a little sleight of hand here. There's a word for this, number four. It's, It's pray. But I didn't want you to tune me out right away if I said pray. Someone was asking me, um, recently, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing a class on prayer. What should we call it? I said, well, don't call it prayer because no one will come. <laughs> as soon as we hear prayer, it's like, oh, man, I'm getting freaked out about that. Pray. You mean it's that bad? 
Christians have so many anxieties about how to pray. And, you know, we want to pray these good prayers. But, you know, God never asks us to pray good prayers with eloquent language. He asks us to pray real prayers. In Philippians 4.6, a book we just studied recently, Paul wrote to the believers there at Philippi, said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a choice in that couple of verses. There's, in verse 6, you could be anxious about things, and then there's this transition word, but. Don't do that. Don't choose anxiety and stress and anger. Instead, pray. The pattern here, the sequence I want you to notice is to pray and then peace. Not the other way around. You know, I, I, can I explain how that happens? Not completely, that's for sure. Like, how does praying bring me peace? Well, for me, sometimes just saying it out loud um, helps me. Admitting, like being honest with God that this is, I am really stressed out about this. And I, I really need you to come through for me, God. And sometimes even when I'm praying, I, I'll think of a solution. Imagine that. But I have a choice whether to choose that anxiety and stress and just let it take me over and paralyze me, or I can pray. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of memes, good ones. Some of them are super corny, and you guys shouldn't waste your social media time on them. But recently, I've seen some really good ones. I want to share them with you. Motherhood, when keeping someone else's hair and teeth in a drawer seems totally normal. That's awesome. Here's another one. Everyone hates millennials until it's time to convert a PDF to a Word document. <laughs> I got a kick out of that, too. And here's one on topic. Why pray when you can worry? You may have seen that one. It's the dyslexic Christian that got things backwards. Ask me... Answer me this, like, if this is true. Prayerless lives are peaceful lives, are peaceless lives. Prayerless lives are peaceless lives. I found that to be true. Change the things you can. Get advice. But pray. God, I, I need your help. And when you do, God will answer. He will, he will change your situation. He will change somebody else. He may just change you. How many of you say today, raise your hands, like, you know, in varying degrees, but I could really use God's peace in my life right now. Raise your hand. Isn't that amazing? So many of us are right there. The rest are just like, that's go back to the sin part. You lie. 
You know, it was a, f- a few years ago, Sunridge went through a really tough time. We've had a few tough times. We're honest about that online and everything. We talk about our issues. We don't try to hide them. But, um, you know, it was painful. The church was hurting. People were hurting. There was a lot of relationships were blown apart. And there was a small group of us that started to get together to pray. And I have to be honest with you. Like, I, I wasn't praying with great faith. I knew it was the right thing to do. But when we started to pray, it's crazy. Situations change. People change. And I don't know that if, and my heart changed. I don't know if like, if I had not prayed with those people, if, if the same thing would have happened. I, I don't know. But I'm really glad that I did pray with a few friends because that changed my perspective on prayer forever. I promise you, you will never say these words. I really regret how much I pray. But I'll bet you that you may regret not praying. You can have God's peace today. It's found in Jesus by accepting him into your heart, by taking control of your thoughts, by following his teaching, and by praying. You can have God's peace today. As we wrap up, I would, I would love to be able to pray for you guys. I saw so many of those hands go up, and I, I want to pray for you guys. And I'm also, I w- I'm also thinking about those that are you're here today, and you've just never stepped across the line of faith and, tr- and accepted the peace of God that comes through his son, Jesus Christ, in saving faith. So I'm going to pray, but before I do, I'm just going to lead those of you, like if you don't know what to pray and you've never prayed a prayer of faith, confession of faith. I'm going to help you with that. You don't have to, there's not magic words, but I'll help you. And then I want to pray for those of you that, you know, life isn't very peaceful and that, that you find it. I want to encourage you to come back during this series because we're going to look at many facets of peace. This is just the start of what it might look like for us to have true peace on earth and to have God's peace regardless of the situation. Let's pray.